everyone. It's Robin Openshaw. Welcome back to the Vibe Show. And also, I'm going to combine this with Utah Freedom Update because I just did this interview with Dr. Pam Popper, and she is an incredible expert on nutrition, medicine, health. She's a lobbyist. She's a New York Times bestselling author. She's been in a bunch of different documentaries, including Forks Over Knives is probably the most famous one. Um, and she, she's been out there very vocally since the scandemic started. In fact, she just released a book this fall. It's called COVID Operation. What happened? Why it happened? And what's next? So what I intended to do was to ask her her thoughts on a lot of different subjects with regard to the scandemic. But what it turned out to be is a whole conversation in her advising me about how to be more effective in leading the freedom fight. Not that I'm the only leader in the freedom fight, of course, but in in helping to organize Utah for what is coming next in 2021. It literally feels like a blessing right out of heaven that she gave me some new thoughts on what to do next. And I think she's absolutely right. So I hope that you listen to it, whether you live in Utah or whether you live in another state, I think that we could learn from the last 10 months of Dr. Pam Popper's um, progress in Ohio, where they have funded some amazing lawsuits, not only against the governor of Ohio, but also um, they've actually filed a federal lawsuit against the CDC and the HHS and Alex Azar. So I'm very excited for you to hear from Pam, who is a very straight talking doctor, not afraid to criticize national health organizations and government agencies and medical professionals and pharmaceutical industry and so many more. So this is going to be a really great conversation. You'll be glad you you tuned in. Ready to live at the higher vibrations where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. So welcome to the Vibe Show, Dr. Pam Popper. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a long time because I've seen you. I've seen some of your videos and podcasts and that sort of thing. And I always thought it would be fascinating to talk with you too. Well, I'm so glad to hear that because I have been having the thought, like, I need to find this Dr. Popper. And, and then, you know, you went out there with, um, I think it's make a, make a, Make Americans Free free Again. again. Yes. (laughs) And then your book launched. And I'm going to ask you like the hard question first. I mean, there's plenty of hard questions, but, and then we'll see where we go from there. But so you've, you've published this book or it's coming out and it's called COVID Operation. What happened? Why it happened? And what's next? So now that you've written the book, which I'm completely amazed that you actually wrote an entire book as this thing was evolving because it's evolving so fast and I think from everything that I hear, I hear a lot of your content. You've spent a probably more than a thousand hours studying exactly what's happening. Like I have, I have been completely obsessed with it since late February. I started um, yelling at the top of my lungs in late February. You guys were being lied to. This isn't what they're telling us it is. And um, my audience has slowly come around and the vast majority of them are awake. I didn't lose a ton of my following, even though at the beginning I did, in the beginning I, I did. And then, you know, we've also picked up a lot of people along the way. So here's what my question for you, if you've already written this book, as you and I are speaking is the week that we are as Americans having to start processing the fact that all three of our branches of government have been stolen by the deep state. 
Does that change anything about what you wrote? You know, the last part of your subtitle is what's next. Can we just go to the hard question of what's next now? What ideas do you have? What are we as Americans who are taking action? What are we to do based on the fact that it looks like they stole the election in Georgia? So now the deep state owns the Senate. They own the White House or will soon. They clearly um, have corrupted the judicial branch. Where where are we and where are we going? Yeah, so um, that book uh, was written in the during the summer and uh, came out in September, and nothing's really changed um, to a certain extent. I mean, the deep the Republicans are deep state too. Yep. I, I live in a state that's very red. It's horrible here. It's less horrible here because of what we've done, but it's still horrible here. And we have a Republican governor, we have a Republican um, House and Senate, and all the big office holders are Republicans. So that doesn't really make any difference anymore because they're all corrupted. They're all corrupted right now, almost all of them. You can tell a few good guys, the South Dakota governor and Ron DeSantis in Florida, obviously they're not blackmailing him or her. Uh, but um, other than that, they're all corrupted. So nothing really changes. And the way that, the, the, here, let me go back and, and maybe summarize for people who haven't read the book. Uh, it is out, by the way. It's been out since September. But um, but but here's what we're experiencing. And and so to understand um, what we have to do, you have to go back and look at how it happened. So I've been for 25 years um, screaming about medical tyranny in some shape, way, shape, or form. Medical tyranny examples would be: you're a nurse, you can't work at this hospital unless you get a flu shot. Um, you can't put your children in school unless they get 50 vaccines before kindergarten. Uh, psychiatrist says, if you don't give your five-year-old Risperdal, I'm going to call Child Protective Services because he's got behavior problems. And, and that's what I think you should do. And I could go on, but you get the idea. It's medicine dictating life for people through government. All right. And uh, it's been going on for a long, long time. I've been involved in lawsuits and changing legislation in states and the whole nine yards. But I would say Overall, it's gone backwards, not forwards for 35 years. And I'll tell you why I think that is. I think that a lot of really hardworking, intent people who had good intentions and good hearts and invested their heart and soul in trying to do something about this were using the wrong strategies. And that's not meant as a criticism as much as we have to learn from it, okay? So people like us, we're polite people. So we think that what we're going to do is send emails and sign declarations and petitions, and we're going to present expert testimony and bring in education packets to to uh, politicians and that sort of thing. They don't care about any of that. We've learned that, right? They don't care about any of it. They don't care we have about learned us. That. They don't care about us. They don't care about your children. They don't care about anything except being in office, right? And so um, my idea with Make Americans Free Again, there are four or five things that we're going to do that are going to make sure that this never happens again. And we are going to win this. We, I'm very confident. I'm betting my life savings on it, actually. I'm betting my life on it. And I mean that in the true sense of that term, too. All right. I'm living like a hostage right now because of it. And so um, what do I mean by what we have to do? The first thing is we have to amass a voter base that can that can keep these kinds of things from happening again. If we had, and let me give you a couple scenarios from last year, we wouldn't be in this mess right now if we had had the foresight to do this. So let's say that that I had gotten this inspiration to start Make Americans Free Again in uh, three years ago. We had 80 million people in our database. As soon as these 
governors, well, they're now known as emperors and empresses, and everybody uses that term. I'm the person who started that, by the way. But um, our emperors and empresses, as soon as they started this taking over our lives and everything else, it would have been the end of it, all right? You could have stopped it because, for example, um, we we could have gone to legislators in in Ohio, and it was an election year. My gosh, if we had 20,000 people, my, my senator won her seat by 17 votes. I could have sat there and said, look, you vote to impeach this guy because they couldn't get enough votes. Or we're taking you out. I brought my list of 20,000 voters in your district. You won by 17 votes last time. 20,000 will definitely be the end of your political career. And I brought the list. You can have your assistant check it out when I'm sitting here. All right. That's the language they understand. If we had had this type of database, there wouldn't have been any mail-in voting. They couldn't have stolen the election, all right, because we would have ended this all before it happened. And the next time there's some asinine law, for example, that one they're trying to pass in, in uh, New York that uh, allows the governor to confine anybody based on a positive test, you just basically sit down with these people, say, you vote for this, you're gone. You you can recall almost any petition, any politician with enough people, all right, signing. And so so we have to amass a voter database that is sortable by individual state legislative district. And we've got to start having power over the people who we who we elect. All right. That's the first thing. Second thing is lawsuits. We have one functioning branch of government left in most places, and it's the courts. So and, and we are the people who filed the lawsuits that can win because we're challenging the problem, which is a fake pandemic. You can't go into court and talk about your constitutional rights because the other side just says it's an emergency and then everything's out the window. But if you go in and say there is no pandemic, they know it and they're committing fraud. Well, the response to that can't be it's an emergency. You have to prove it. And that's why that's why uh, our emperor has had to change his ways a little bit because we filed in August and he just can't do some of the things that he thought he was going to do back in August when he thought he really was the emperor of Ohio. So that's another thing. So I've been talking for a long time, but and there's more to talk about here. But we have got to learn from our previous mistakes. I still have people sending me um, a, every week a petition to sign. I just hit delete. That's never worked. It's not going to work. What? 100,000 people signed the Great Barrington Declaration. Has anything changed? Nope. Is it ever going to? No. So yeah, no. Actually, 500,000 last I looked, but yeah. and and it's, it's actually buried. It's buried on Google. Like, try to Google it. They've buried it with all the hit pieces on it. Yeah. So nothing nothing is going to change that way. We're just going to simply have to become a little more boisterous about what we do. We're going to have to do different things than we did before. I mean, the true definition of insanity is doing the same stuff for the next 35 years we've been doing for the last 35 years. And I'm the controversial, polarizing character because I just won't participate in the nonsense anymore. I get a thousand requests a day to help with something that has no chance of working. And I just say no. And people don't like that, but that's my story. Yeah, I do too. I don't know about a thousand, but dozens every day. Um, And I'm super curious about what you're doing in your state because I have felt just from having a pulse on somebody in just about everybody in every state. And in in the case of most states, I have a pulse on lots of different people who are trying to take some action. I've had the sense that in Utah, we might be the most organized or one of the most organized in the country. And I have said the same thing you have. And, and I still feel like we're terribly disorganized because we didn't have the, we didn't have the foresight. We didn't have the advanced knowledge that they were going to do this. And they're obviously well-prepared and well-funded. And so what I've done on takeactionforfreedom.com, which I put up, I think, in March, 
um, is I've grown a list of 11,000 Utahns and they do completely bombard the email lists of all their legislators. We got rid of a bill that was proposed um, for mandatory vaccine vaccinations. I doubt those legislators have ever gotten that much mail about any specific subject. We build one click letter campaigns, but you know, like our, our governor and our Lieutenant governor, well, who's now our governor um, and, uh, and nobody knows anybody who voted for him, but, and he's very deep state, never Trumper hates, hates everything conservative brought us, brought us socialism in Utah. He, um, they're neither one of them are reachable by any means. Everything's gone. The phone line, not that they probably would, you know, listen to their phone messages anyway, of course, but they would at least have an intern who was, you know, compiling, Hey, 182 people called you today and said, stop destroying the economy and zero people called today and, and said, please have more restrictions because we're so scared of the virus or whatever. You know, that's generally what you have your interns do, but I'm interested in what you've done. I think you're in Ohio, but I feel very much like we have put enough pressure on our state that that's why we're, we're actually the healthiest economy in the country, but we're under the same pressures everybody else is under and our government is terrible. So what, what have you done? Be, be, be specific for us because there are more and more people who are now finally willing to take action and not just be keyboard warriors. Yeah. And um, one, one thing I'll mention to you is right now you have a functioning legislature, but it isn't going to make a difference if your emperor just decides that he's going to mandate something because we've seen there's no respect for constitutional rights. So if this person is as terrible as you say he is, and I have no reason to disbelieve that because most of them are, he will just decide one day that whatever you stop the legislature from doing, he's just going to do it anyway. So you're going to have to mobilize in a different way too. Um, so here's, here's what happened in Ohio. So I started Make Americans Free again on July 7th. That was our actual launch date. And it was about the beginning of the summer when I realized that they're never going to stop this. There's something else. You know, I always knew something else was going on, but it really started to dawn on me. They're never going to stop. There's never going to be an end. And, um, and I started having a lot of correspondence with a, an attorney in Florida, a trial lawyer retired. And, um, and we were looking at all these failed lawsuits. And, um, and, and they all the same thing, the constitutional rights being violated, blah, blah, blah. And other than a couple that recently succeeded that we're talking about religious expression, um, everything just out. And sometimes you'd have a momentary victory. I think the people of Pennsylvania were free for 12 nanoseconds before that the emperor got a, a, a you know, an, an appeal. Um, through the court. And then uh, in Michigan, the Supreme Court decided that what the Empress did was unconstitutional. And she just said, I don't care and kept doing it anyway. All right. So, so you have a little few glimmers of hope. They usually last about you know, five nanoseconds, like I said. Yeah. So, I think, I think what, um, um, I think what the Empress did in Michigan, because almost simultaneously, the exact same thing was happening in Utah. And by the way, I moved to Florida. So I'm fighting the freedom fight in Utah, but right. we fled basically right. to Utah. Getting all, I was getting cease and desist. I would get calls from law enforcement and they would literally harass me. Like, are you in Florida yet? And things like, it's just crazy stuff. Um, but she and our Utah governor, when they had both the legislature finally ready to do their job and shut them down in, in Michigan, they had a referendum that they had way more signatures than they needed to shut down her quote state of emergency. And in Utah, we also had, so we had the legislature and the judicial, we had two lawsuits filed against our governor. And what both of them did is they just handed it off to the health departments. They're like, okay, I canceled my state of emergency. So they're just basically doing a little dance and sidestepping what was bearing down on them. But they, they will not, 
Right. For the same, lawsuit, the la- same lawsuit would be filed then against the next person doing it, which would be the health departments. But here's here's the whole point. Um, you, you have to go to the root problem. I mean, you and I have a long time interest in health from before this ever happened. And one of the things that we both have told people is you can take a statin drug to lower your cholesterol and you can take, um, a niacin to lower your cholesterol and you end up with pretty blood work and your risk of heart attack is the same. Or you can change your diet and you can actually change your risk profile because you're actually going to the root of the problem. And so, Everything that we do has to be to challenge the emergency. This is even when business is open, and we can talk about that too against the the orders. It all has to be challenging the emergency, and it puts fear in their heart. Okay, so so that's what we did. That's very different. Is and and I read complaints where people say, "Oh, this is just like your complaint. It's not like our complaint." Read our complaint. We filed a complaint with two hundred. We had fifty-nine pages, two hundred and eighty-eight references, and six hundred and twenty-seven pages of supporting evidence to support our claim. All right, just reading it takes a judge several days to do. So, so anyway, so I was beginning to feel like we've got to file this lawsuit that goes to the heart of the matter. Just it's not any different than what I've been doing for the last twenty-five years. And uh, then I happened to get a phone call from a guy by the name of Jason Hedges at Ohio Stands Up. He had formed an organization. He's a school psychologist. And um, and he had found an attorney. that They had gotten organized. They had a handful of members. They've grown a lot since then. But, and, and we're compatible organizations. It's Here in Ohio, it's Make Americans Free Again slash Ohio Stands Up. And we're doing this with other states, by the way. Um, we're doing uh, New Mexico Stands Up. We also filed this in New Mexico not too long ago. All right. So... So Jason calls and, and we get lunatics here all day long, but my people are pretty good at sorting it out. And one of them said, you've got to call this guy, Jason. He's, he's worth talking to. So he had found Tom Renz, our attorney. And Renz had, and I had never met each other, but he had basically said the same thing. The only way to win this is to go to the root of the problem, which is that there is no emergency. So um, over the summertime, we raised money like banshees, and that's what you have to do. Free lawyers don't understand what's going on. Seriously, no free lawyer is going to take this on. You've got to be able to pay. And um, and so we raised money like banshees and Tom worked on the complaint and a lot of us helped. My business partner, Peter Bregan, wrote a ginormous piece to support the lawsuit, blah, blah, blah. So we filed on August 31st. And the claim is that there is no pandemic, that officials know it and they're committing fraud. That's the claim. That's a pretty strong claim. Yeah, it is. So, so the first thing that happened is on the day of the filing, August 31st, the little emperor, and he is a little guy too, just a little, and he's getting smaller. I think that's what happens when your soul leaves your body, you actually become physically smaller. <laughs> so he gets up in front of the thing on press conference on that, um, on that particular Monday, and he says that he's setting up isolation camps all over the state. This is the, this is what I mean about they just on high issue edicts. And he was is instructing every public college and university to set aside space. Uh, for isolation. So we figured he was going to put 20, 30,000 people away because he let it slip that the feds reimburse him a per diem amount for every locked up person that he can quarantine. Wow. So, so we hit send at 8.30 that night. Tom Renz hit send. We never heard about isolation camps again. So the next thing that happened is he, we have very good intel. We, you know, there's always somebody that you can get that gives you back channel information. He was going to shut down the state on September 29th, specifically to throw the election. He never did it, by the way. And, um, and, and so the first hearing, they tried to get it thrown out, didn't happen. So he didn't shut down. Then the second hearing, we 
he was pretty intent on shutting down. And what he had decided his strategy was going to be, I think he was cycling PCR at like 45 because the case uh, rate just went through the ceiling. And I think what their plan was, they're going to go in and document that um, there's an emergency. And then the judge will certainly throw it out then without actually giving us documents, right? So the cases are like 10,500 a day. We get into court for the second go around. And, um, and that's all interesting, except that our attorney had found that DeWine was actually obligated to make public all data 120 days after he declared an emergency, which would have meant July 12th. The, the revised code he quotes all the time says he has to do this, and he never did it. And we also went through the charade of a freedom of information request, which he wouldn't respond to. So, um, And then we found an Ohio State Supreme Court decision says that ch- citizens can challenge the emergency. And this is important for you in Utah. There is a United States Supreme Court case that also says citizens have the right to challenge an emergency declaration at any time. So um, things didn't go so well for the little emperor. Um, it didn't turn out as planned. So now ginning up the cases, what are you going to do when you don't have the hospitals overflowing in the whole nine yards? So his new strategy then, he decided to um, inflict on the public a curfew from 10 to 5, which isn't enforced. We, we sent people driving all over the state the month that he did it, trying to get arrested. We couldn't get arrested even driving through police stations, waving at officers. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It's just for show. He has to, he has to make sure that people think he's the emperor, right? And then uh, the other thing was a mask mandate. We've had a mask mandate, but strengthened it to shut down businesses on the second offense if you let people in without masks. So we actually sent teams of people all over the state to go into big box stores and then self-report. I'm here for the third day in a row at Walmart and here's a picture. We're all maskless in here. They didn't do anything about it. So the point that I made, you know, they, they can't, I had my on on New Year's Eve day, my sheriff in um, Summit County, Utah, which is the park city area called me because I'd been emailing him and calling him and said, I'm just going to email and call you every day till you call me back called me on New Year's Eve day. And his first question was, so are you still in Florida? And I'm like, well, you and I have never even just talked before. Why do you even know I'm in Florida? And he said, well, we run in the same circles. So I think he's literally trying to intimidate me right out of the gate. But the rest of our conversation was perfectly pleasant. But what he told me is these people who are who are pressuring me actually wanted to enact martial law. And he said, and, and he said, even if I agreed with them and wanted to do it, he said, I have the same staff I did before they started all this. And he said, they wanted us literally stopping traffic and checking IDs in and out of the county. Because I remember in the middle of March, um, our county, which was the first one to lock down in Utah, uh, actually said, nobody can leave Park City or come in. And, and, and then I never saw that enforced. And I wish that people would get, would figure that out. Not only do they not have the authority, they also don't even have the ability right. to enforce it. And, and the, and the sheriff's departments are exhausted. They get all kinds of stupid calls. Like I'm at the, grocery store and somebody's not wearing a mask and they have to go out for it. And so it drains their battery. But he, he basically told me, he said, they wanted me to impose martial law. And he said, I don't have the people to stop all the traffic coming in and out of the County and, and have them show their IDs. He said, so we don't, we just don't. Exactly. And they don't have the ability to um, deal with massive disobedience either. And so, um, and, and so the, the big thing I want to, I want to come back to this last hearing um, because this is all about they don't want to give us their real data. We want to look at the death certificates and, you know, the actual information. So why would that be? Why would that be? And our attorney actually said, I don't understand why you're so reluctant to give us data. You're insisting that there's an emergency and you could prove it. 
And then think about what a great press conference you could have. We proved Cam Hopper and Tom Renz and Jason Hedges and Ohio Stands Up and Make Americans Free Again, these big organizations that have been coming after us. We definitively proved in court that they were wrong. Governors all over the country would send thank you notes. So why don't you do that? Well, of course, the reason why they don't do that is they know that they're committing fraud. Okay. And I don't know if you saw, but Scott um, Jensen and another state representative, he's a former senator in Minnesota, went through the death certificates in Minnesota and figured, and said massive inflation of deaths and they're not COVID deaths and the whole nine years. That's why they don't want to give it to us. So, um, so we know that this is the right strategy because we've made life better in Ohio just because they, they've got to be careful about what they do. I mean, they know that if they did something really ridiculous, we go for a temporary restraining order and maybe get it, you know. So, so that's what we did here, and it's made life tolerable here. It's not great, but it's tolerable. Uh, we also filed in New Mexico, and then we filed a federal lawsuit accusing the Centers for Disease Control and Robert Redfield and the Health and Human Services Department, Alex Azar. And I never can remember the name of the agency that um, issued the directive to change the way that death certificates are filled out. And it says on their instructions so that almost everybody will be death, you know, death by COVID. And the director. So we sued them making the same allegation that you falsely declared an emergency, um, that you're deliberately misrepresenting data uh, to the public and you're committing fraud. So we filed against them and we have, I can't tell you what it is, but we have another surprise coming for the feds very soon. And um, uh, of course, the mainstream media isn't going to cover it, but believe me, they will not be very happy when they get this for sure. So, um, and our plan is to uh, show people how to organize using our strategies so that we can do this in every affected state. It's the only way out. And here's the, here's the thing about why it's so important to do it this way. So when we started, we had uh, Tom and his partner, uh, law partner, and the law partner had to do other things to keep the law office open, of course. And, and so one person essentially working full time on this. Well, then the New Mexico lawyers, there are two of them, they're phenomenal, all right, phenomenal attorneys. So now you've got three lawyers working on the New Mexico complaint, and then they get that filed, and then we've got something due, and now all three lawyers can work on this Ohio response that we had to have in last week. Well, now we take on a third state, and you get another attorney or two who get brought in. And so the the first thing is you're going to have lots of this going on, and the attorneys get smarter, and the work gets easier, and you can also start filing other types of lawsuits, which, which we have in mind to do. Um, some of the people said about masks and all that. We we could take that on, but right now we've got to get this emergency thing out of the way. As long as that's hanging out there, we're never going to get better. Um, so we want to file this in all affected states, the same lawsuit adapted for the statutes in the particular state so that you get attorneys working together smarter uh, all the time, and enough of it will survive to get to the United States Supreme Court. And you only have to win one time. In other words, let's say that the first place we win would be California or New York or Maine or Connecticut. It doesn't matter. The first time in, in front of a jury, you prove fraud, that is going to have a ripple effect on everything. Okay. Oh, it will be huge. And, and, and if you file 40 some times, you're going to get a win. And we know we're right about this too. That's the other thing is we have irrefutable proof that we're right about this, including their own. And it all comes from their databases. That's the thing. This isn't like somebody sitting in a back room doing their own calculations. You can go to the Centers for Disease Control database and see that nobody, they have, what, 26 cases of seasonal flu in the last few months. What do you think are the, is the likelihood we went from 143,000 cases to 23? 
it's it's what they're doing. They're, they've been so brazen about it. They never really thought that they'd have to answer anybody. So they've posted, they've posted the damning information on their own websites. My concern too right now is I was working so hard all through the summer and the fall because I was trying to wake up Utahns and say, if we don't take action now and push back and show up en masse, then as soon as cold and flu season starts, they're going to blame everything that is normally happening in, in the fall and winter. They're going to blame it all on COVID. And then when the vaccines start and people die of the vaccine, we haven't even, nobody's even had the second shot yet. And did you know that there's over 40,000 um, adverse events reported to VAERS. Yeah. 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 So, so, you know, my concern has been that they're going to hide the deaths of the vaccine. Um, and the, the hospitalizations are going to hide that under the banner of COVID as well. And so far there's still half of America who isn't willing to look around and say, how come I don't know any more sick people this year than last year than I did before? Like, how come we're destroying the whole world? Even though I wouldn't even know that there's a killer virus on the loose if I didn't have the TV telling me. So, so you're saying that we can, could we publish your complaint? Is it public that we could link to it in the show notes? Go to make it, go to makeamericansfreeagain.com and you'll see there's a tab for our lawsuits and you can read all the complaints and the motions and the supporting evidence and everything right there. Okay, we will we will link to that in the show notes. And I know that in so many of my episodes with so many of these amazing scientists and physicians and wellness authors that we've been talking to since March 1st and my whole show got taken over by the scamdemic, um, we, we have been looking for ways and begging people to step up. If you have any leadership in you, if you have any organization skills in you, to step up and grab a hold of one of these projects. But the things that you're talking about doing are real rubber hits the road uh things that are making a massive difference in your state and I want to uh I want to jump off from there and I'll pay the attorney. I mean our, the problem is in Utah that the free ones were exactly as you said they did nothing, wasted a lot of my time and did nothing. And I wasn't asking them to work for free. They just cared about the cause and whatever, but then they just got caught up in you know making a living and whatever gets in the way of life and so we lost months there. Um, and then the paid one, I don't know if he's controlled opposition or what, but he wrote a totally garbage, um, lawsuit that its references were the Book of Mormon. And I get it that folks in Utah consider that to be the law, but the law doesn't consider that to be the law. So he had to drop it like a week ago and the news said, you know, totally was gaslighting the whole thing and said it was a, um, a, a lawsuit filed by anti-maskers. And it was a Book of Mormon lawsuit, and and it was and it was like you know, and I had I had chipped in a few thousand bucks on that one, and so I am looking to not chase my tail and do what's working. We've we've definitely seen we've seen our governor and now our new governor. We've seen them have to step back from things that they tried to do to us. But it sounds to me like your 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 emperor is worse. Mm -hmm. Dewine is terrible, worse than ours. Ours has been sort of a. He's sort of a milk toast kind of guy, but now his, his lieutenant governor is our governor and he is, he is terrible and, and everybody knows it and everybody's really nervous. But so you're saying that filing a lawsuit at the state level. That, well, you file it in federal court. Your, your okay. governors own the state courts. Okay. So you have to file okay. it in federal court. So let me, let me tell you, let's go back and talk about how to do this. Okay. Cause okay. everybody wants to jump the gun and do this before they're ready to do it. 
So, so how, so everybody wants to duplicate the Ohio thing. So how do we do it? All right. So we started having, we call them Thursday groups because they just started on Thursday. All right. And I, and, and a lot of these, I have to say, we fully are aware that they're illegal, um, except that you can call them protests and then everything's legal if it's a protest. So that's how we're doing it. Um, but anyway, I started it in my office and the first night we had three people. And then last night, we can hardly accommodate them in the building. And I hold conferences for 125 people in my building for four days. So it gives you an idea of how many people are here, right? Well, then our group started having babies. And then those groups started having babies. Because in the beginning, when everybody was just getting started, you might, from, you, you don't know about Ohio geography, but the task is 45 minutes from where I am. Well, when you're dying to be around humans and you don't know what to do, you're going to drive up here. But once there's six of you, go back to Patasqua and start out there. And then the Aetna group breaks off and then you get a group in, in Cambridge. And, and so the groups are having babies or having babies or having babies. And so um, it, it, what, what happens is this is how you find your attorney. This is how we found Tom. OK, somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows the right attorney. Uh, we're get, We think we have the third state right now. And this attorney is a Tom Wren's clone. I talked to him on the phone. I was so excited I could hardly stay in my chair. How do we find him? He showed up at a Thursday meeting. Okay. Now the meetings can be on Wednesday or Sunday, but you know what I mean. It's a regular weekly. Yeah. I have it here. Everybody knows about it. Hold on yards. And so, um, and so, that, and then that's how you find your experts and that's how you find your helpers and that's how you find your money because it's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this. Hundreds of thousands. Okay. So, so how, how are we getting all this money? Cause we've got a pile of it, piles and piles of it. All right. Well, many hands make light work. Many members mean small donations out up to a whole bunch. You get a hundred thousand people in, in your groups and you got everybody puts in a dollar. Now you've got a hundred thousand dollars. That's a heck of a retainer. You don't need one that big actually. So, so the point is that, that you have to start building this ground game. And, and I'm very, I've, I've been involved. I mentioned before all the things that don't work. I'm going to tell you one more thing that doesn't work and it won't work here either. What's happened in the past. And I did a lot of this. I spent my way to getting things done. I put hundreds of thousands of dollars into changing state laws about licensure and all this kind of stuff. All right. So what happened, and a lot of these people who have worked their rear ends off to try and end the vaccine mandates or keep them from happening. So what you have, here's what they all have in common. You got a handful of people at the top who are working their rear ends off and then reporting to everybody else all the good things that they're doing. And and all of the members sit there with their mouths open like little birds in the nest waiting for somebody to give them worms, right? Yep. Okay, so I've been crystal clear. That's not going to happen this time, all right? I'm willing to, I have the resources and the time, thank God, to put a lot into this. And I fortunately can live for extraordinary periods of time with little to no sleep, all right? So I'm willing to do, do more work than I expect other people to do. But, but people, when, when they get on my, I do a Thursday noon call to show everybody how to get organized and you guys can put your people on, on that call too. Every, every Thursday at noon, I train 150 new people how to go out and do this. And, and invariably they start saying, well, why don't you just tell me some people on Long Island that I can go hang out with? I tell them, I'm not your social director. You start a group, you go get people. It's your job to go get people. Those people already have people. You go get people because this has to go both ways. I'm working my rear end off. I'm putting a lot of money into this. I report to you every week what I'm doing. Now you got to report to me what you're doing because if you think that a few dozen people are going to solve a problem that's affecting 337 million people, you're out of your mind. So it's not, it's what are you doing? What are you doing? How many people are coming to your Thursday group? And, and again, this is a, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, you're pretty adamant about it. I am. 
because this is another one of those things. We've had a few dozen hardworking people with, you know, putting their own money and their own time into it. Has anything changed? No. And the reason is we have an unengaged citizenry. And what has just happened in this country, this takeover by communists and people who are do not have our best interest in heart, it happened because too many people were passive. Well, I'm not going to go along with it anymore. If you want to be passive, that's fine. But I'm going to have something to say about it, just like I have something to say about the screening mask wearing people and the people who are too stupid to just get online and check the hospital data. You could do it in five minutes and know that they're lying to you. I'm out of patience with people. And, uh, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not nasty about it, but I'm just very direct about it. I have, I have to tell you something. I'm 64 and people say they don't want to get older. I love being 64 because I think sometime between about 55 and 65, you reach this point where you just say, you know what? I don't care. I'm not in a popularity contest anymore. I'm in a, what am I going to do with the last third of my life that's going to leave a legacy where people will say, thank God she was on the planet for a few decades, right? And so just at a place in my life where being direct is the only way to be, and I'm not going to pander to people and tell them that, you know, going to hang out with somebody else's group on Thursday night is going to make a difference because it doesn't. Start your own group. You do something. All hands on deck. Everybody's engaged. World War II was only one, and it was far worse in the world. And I think we need to remember that so that we don't get too depressed about all these things have been worse in our world before. World War II was won because everybody sacrificed. Everybody did something. If you were a housewife during World War II, you were working with gas rations and food rations, and everybody pitched in. Greatest generation, right? That's what has to happen here. I think I'm actually going to take this interview, and I'm going to put it on the Utah Patriots update because we do need to do more of this. And with me being gone, I can't do the physical meetings, but of course there's there's Zoom. What kinds of things are these groups taking action doing? I mean, we have group, we have a bunch of groups. You know, I have I have a group that watches for when uh Emperor Cox goes live and um we go and have plenty to say on his social media feed. It's actually illegal for um for a, a governor to block someone on their I pro, I'm sure there's ways they can, but you know, they've all blocked all of us on their personal pages, but they can't on their public figure page. So we have a, we have a group in Telegram that plans that and like lets each other know when somebody goes live. Our, our CDC director, which is an import from California, hard left, um, but was trying to, was screaming to the media for months that we need to shut the whole place down. You shut the economy down. You need to put masks on everybody for months before any of that even happened. So she's terrible. And when she goes live, always very smug, always very self-righteous. We have a bunch of people who jump on that that post to shift the narrative because they were controlling the narrative for so long and they had their little minions. Um, So that's just one group. We have so many different groups. We have a group of about 30 something people who have been instrumental in running protests. I mean, we were running protests in front of the homes of the health department officials. And that that got people's attention. I will tell you that got some attention because these people thought they could hide from us. They thought that they could just, you know, they're, they're not elected. You know, I mean, Angela Dunn works for the CDC in Utah and she makes quarter of a million dollars a year from, uh, from taxpayer money. And she's in her thirties, you know, she's young. And, uh, that was, you know, it wasn't even a big group that we had outside most of these people's homes. But anyway, I'm wondering what kinds of things do these groups work on doing? Because I'm, I've had these. That's what they work on doing. And this is where, this is the important thing. Okay. The first thing is no Zoom in person, only in person. And and there are a couple of reasons for it. 
the first thing is we have to define. I do not consent to being separated from other people. I do not consent. And I will have, I will be around other humans. And, and that's just the way it is. And the other thing is a psych, from a psychological standpoint, part of the appeal of this is being in the same room unmasked with other humans. You take that away. People have all the virtual crap they can tolerate right now. Don't offer yeah. some more virtual crap. Okay. Yeah. Get them in the same room with each other. All right. That's very, very, very important. The second thing is I don't think you should stop any of those things that you're doing, but you have to make this so that anybody can do it. And this is what I tell people. Somebody will say, well, I'm in um, Marietta, Ohio, and I only know one person who thinks like I do. Great. Then this Thursday, you're going to meet with that other human in the same room. And here's what you're going to do. We have a format and everything we send people. All right. So the format is this. First, just socialization. Humans need to socialize with one another. We don't even try to pull the meeting to attention at 6 o'clock, maybe around 6.15, 6.20. And then we'll show some kind of recent relevant video. Like a lot of people right now are very concerned about this vaccine. So last night, we showed a 20-minute video of a doctor talking about her concerns about the vaccine. Okay. Then we just have some questions about that. People, you know, can they do it at work? And, you know, people share information about what's going on in their world pertaining to the vaccine and then other things. And then we talk about how we're going to, we have announcements. So, for example, um, there's a fundraiser for Make Americans Free Again, OSU, Ohio Stands Up. Uh, coming up. And so we talk about that, how we're going to go to that. Um, there's a lot of exchange information about the underground, maskless, no restrictions economy. Everybody in our groups knows where to go for a dentist and all that. So there's that going on. And then we talk about how we're going to get more humans to come next week. And it's if it's if it's just the two of you in Marietta, Ohio, or wherever it is it's in Utah, and, and all you can think of is one guy that you've heard is really ticked off about his business being closed. And the job for next week is to call that person and get them to come to your Thursday group. Anybody can do it. And you have to build numbers. That's the only focus. And you have you've got to make sure that people don't get distracted with all kinds of other stuff that isn't going to make a difference. I get emails every day from people telling me, you know, well, I could write articles. I tell them that's all great. You do whatever you want. But here's what we're doing. All right. Uh, Thursday at noon, I, Eastern time, I do a conference call to train people. Thursday nights, we have Thursday groups. The deal is recruit, recruit, recruit. That's how you find your attorneys. That's how you raise your money. That's how you find your experts. That's how you get ahead. And then somebody else will call and say, I really have great video skills. You'd be great. I'll say, that's great. Let me tell you our program. Thursday at noon, we have conference calls. Because if we don't get to the place where we're focused on a handful of things that really can make a difference, I'm going to tell you something. The people who we're fighting against, they're very focused on what they want. Have you noticed that? They're real focused on their strategies and they are counting on people getting all distracted with all this nonsense that they want to talk about and do and everything else. They're counting on it. And I refuse to let that happen. As long as I'm working on this, I'm going to tell people we have a real simple strategy. I can explain it to you in a paragraph. Jump on or get out of the way. I don't have any time to spend on that. So Thursday noon, I do a conference call to train people. Thursday night, we have groups. That's what you have to do. Then somebody else will write to me and say, I'm a great film editor. All right. Let me let me make some great films. I tell them that's all lovely, but let me tell you what our program is. Thursday noon, we train people. Thursday night, we have groups. And you recruit, and this is how you find your attorneys. This is how you find your experts. This is how you raise the money. And we have got to get super focused on that because here's the thing. We're fighting against rich, powerful people who are incredibly focused on what they're doing. 
And they are counting on a bunch of people running around like chickens with their head cut off, investing in 92 different strategies and about 15,000 more bad lawsuits and exhausting themselves this way. We're the truly terrifying people because we have single laser focus on a handful of activities. And that's all we talk about. And that goes to the fact that I have to tell people every day, good luck with what you're doing, but we can't help you because we have this strategy over here and everybody feeds into it. Okay. So I, I have um, had a lot of struggles in Utah with this leader of the resistance over here wants to hold rallies. And he thinks that anything but rallies is stupid and pointless and a waste of time. I think that rallies are a waste of time. Um, I did, I did do a lot of protests. I'm, you know, when it got cold, I knew that when we, it got cold, we would move our focus into other things. So you're saying that growing the numbers, having in-person meetings, because then the networking happens and you find the right people and then filing lawsuits, especially jumping off the shoulders of your lawsuits is yes. the main place to spend your time, right? Yes. And, and here's the thing that I found too. And, and I, again, just, I, I'm not trying to hold anything back anymore. So in the beginning, I thought that what I was going to do is I was going to go out and sweep millions of people in to make Americans free again because it made sense to do what I'm talking about. I gave examples of how we could have stopped all this if we had a database that was sortable and all of that sort of thing. The people who were the most resistant to doing this were the groups. So I said, well, apparently that isn't going to work. So we're just going to have to do it one person at a time. And it took longer. I mean, the growth that we've had has pretty been pretty amazing, but it should have happened much more quickly, but it didn't. Now it's happening at the rate that I thought it should have happened in July, but it's not because the groups are joining in. It's because individuals from the groups send emails like this. I've been meeting with XYZ group. I don't need to mention names. And, and it's almost always either big protests or Zoom. And now it's cold and people don't want to protest outside for hours and people have all the Zoom crap they need. They don't need any more Zoom, right? So, and, and then they'll say, we talk about this and we talk about that. We talk about how to go maskless and somebody told their story of how they got into Costco and blah, blah, blah. But nothing's changing because that isn't going to change anything. And I tell them, great. Well, let me tell you what we're doing. We have Thursday noon and Thursday time. I won't repeat all that, but my mantra, I say it. I don't know, 5,000 times a week. That's what we do. So come check us out and then you can decide what you want to do. I never tell anybody don't belong to the group that you're belonging to. But I do tell people if nothing is happening and it's not, not changing in your state, then maybe you should think about not doing more of that, right? It's the same thing that I started with when we started our conversation. If what you have been doing for 35 years doesn't work, let's let's stop it. You know, the law of holes, when you're in a hole, stop digging, right? Mm -hmm. So, so we're, what we're seeing right now is, you know, one group in particular here in Ohio is a good example is they had 35 or 40 people who were meeting to do whatever they were doing. And, you know, after a while, it kind of all blends together. I don't remember what their particular activity was. A lot of how we get into mass and Costco without a mask, like that's going to set the people free. That'll get your kids back in school, right? Getting into Costco without a mask. But anyway, what's happened is that probably out of the 35 or 40 people in the group, 25 or 30 of them are, are with us now. Now, if they want to still go to Zoom and talk about masks and Costco, that, that's fine. I mean, we live in a kind of free country. But but I think that people are starting to see there's a difference between that and what we're talking about here. We're talking about getting something done here. And, and we're talking about becoming fairly frightening. Can you imagine how frightening it would be to have me with 70 million people behind me? I'm doing pretty good with about a million. All right. Give me 70 million and I can show you some real magical things. All right. 
So, so th- we can scare people. And that's what with that, you know, the, we, they need to be afraid of us. But you know why they're not afraid of us? Because there's 25 people protesting over here and there's 190 people protesting over there. And there's a bunch of petitions and everybody's writing letters and then we're having meetings and, and, and they're, they're laughing at us. Okay. You got to do stuff that makes them not laugh so much. Okay. So lawsuits being the thing that they won't laugh at. Can if they're you filed the right them? way, if they're filed mm-hmm. the right way, federal court, it's fraud. You know it. All right. Show us the data. I've been told that by some other attorneys as well. Is don't file in state court because it's too, uh, too good old boy network. So file in federal court in your state. Use yours um, as a launching pad. Get real attorneys that you pay real dollars to fundraise. Um, what have you learned about finding the right attorneys? Because I have had, I have spent a lot of time talking to attorneys. I started out just literally calling them because I was looking for civil rights attorneys and that didn't, that didn't pan out well. Um, but we just really need attorneys who are passionate about our cause and are they a specific discipline in the law? Anything you're specifically looking for? Well, you're, you're not looking for constitutional rights lawyers and you're not looking for, you know, people like that. Um, I think the person you're looking for is a person who, first of all, philosophically is on the same page. All right. Um, this isn't, and the reason I say that is that there is no amount of money that you can pay somebody to care as much as Tom Renz cares. Yeah. Okay. It goes way beyond the money. And it's right. the same thing is true with Anna and Jonathan in uh, New Mexico. There's that it, 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 millions of dollars don't buy that level of commitment. Okay, so so you got to have people who are angry as heck, um, you know, family conservative values, um, have an understanding of what's going on. Like the person I, I said before, the person who agrees to do it for free just doesn't even understand what's involved because you not only have the the commitment of time that is beyond anything. I mean, we're 24 seven in our operation, right? I haven't slept a full night since, I don't know, March of last year. And so it's 24 seven, you gotta work hard. And then you are vilified by everybody. Everybody takes shots at you. Yep. Everybody. So, so, you, so it takes commitment and, um, and you're not going to find this person by going out looking for lawyers. We, that's not how Tom came to the table. Right. And so what, what makes Tom so different? Well, He's a he's a lawyer in Fremont, Ohio, with conservative values. Who's affected by this personally, with family members in nursing homes and kids in school, and um, you know all that. He um, worked for the one of the attorneys who was involved in the Nuremberg trials. Kind of an interesting background. Comes from sort of a similar perspective, and um, he's a he's a le- he's brilliant from a legal perspective. He's just a brilliant legal mind. Um, and so I think that's what you're looking for. And you're going to find that person. Like I said, it's somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, or they're going to walk in to a Thursday group, like the person that I talked to earlier this week, um, who was brought there by a friend of a friend and, um, says, yeah, I'm willing to talk to Pam and Tom and that sort of thing. And then along the way, you'll meet some other people, like uh, other attorneys can be helpful. We have an attorney, for example, here in Ohio, who is, he's not really, um, this is not his bailiwick, the kind of stuff that Tom's doing, but he's a good legal researcher. And we also were very fortunate to find an intern 
who's going to law school is putting like 20 hours a week into just helping out, you know. So you find those people. So if you were going to go looking for a legal intern to, you know, he's in law school, who's like on the same page, you could, I mean, I don't know how you find that person. So what you do is Thursday groups. And that's why you really want to meet people in person. You got to have people in the same room and and that sort of thing. So you'll find the attorney. And and by the way, in the state where this happened, and we're, we're, we'll see what happens. This guy's really interested, and he's talking to Tom over the weekend and all that. But but um, uh, when the woman told me that, she goes, you're right. Everything comes from Thursday groups. I said, I know. That's what everything came from here, right? So um, so it just, when it's, and it starts to be, I'll tell you something that um, is really great about this. It's simple, and it's achievable. And I think that people feel better when they're involved in something where even if you start with two and now you've got five, that's success. That's success because we had two. Now we got five. All right. Think when we have 10 and we have to break off and form another group and it starts to get exciting. People need to start winning. You know, that's one of the reasons why Trump won is because he talked about we have to start winning. And that's what our people need. There's been so much defeat and misery, and we've got to make people feel like we're winning again. And these are strategies that make people feel like they're winning. I love it. And so how do, is there a group leader for each of these groups? And do they do the group leaders all come back and report on what they're, are they all working on different things at the same time? Or are no, they just- There's only alone? one thing. There's only one thing. Okay. And, and what, what happens is usually there's a, a state person that, that starts to become the leader. And one of the things we're going to start doing because there's a lot of money coming in and we want to make sure it's all going to the right place. We're going to put people on our website who have become, we know them, trust them, they're leaders. And that so that when people give money and there's like I just opened up the mail before we started and there's a thousand dollar check. All right. So we want to make sure that that's not going to somebody who says they're with us, but they're not. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So um, a state leader will uh, will rise up out of the Thursday groups. That's that's where they're coming from. Right. Is somebody rises up and says, I've got my group up to 50 people. I've started 18 more and um, I opened a bank account. I put some money in it myself. And, you know, so we and we can check people out, too. Um, so, but, but the, the, nobody knew, we don't have any different job responsibilities. And by the way, my job every day, get more people to come to my Thursday group. Now you'd think, well, Pam's in charge of the whole thing and she's got plenty of people coming in, whether she recruits or not, Pam's recruiting, everybody recruits, everybody gets people. All right. That is our job. And, um, in terms of the, um, uh, the leader of the group, the leader of the group is just the person who says you can use my living room or my conference room or the back office of my dad's place or whatever. Um, you know, we don't have a big hierarchy and I don't think you want to get into all that so much. Okay. So do you have a nonprofit organization you set up to take the money? Um, we don't. And one of the reasons is that, um, in my particular case, um, uh, you know, I own a for-profit company, Wellness Forum Health, and, um, I'm financing everything except for the, the legal fees. So, so basically it's just a pass through. So essentially, you know, if you put, if you give a thousand dollars to the legal fund, I put it in my account and a thousand dollars goes to Tom. So, and we have, we, we just retain Tom to give him money, right? Because I've um, been doing the same thing and I just wonder if you've yeah. looked into the legal ramifications of that. That's all well, right to as do. Long as, as long as it's a pass through, you don't have to worry. Where you have to start worrying, and, I, and I'm probably going to set it up as an LLC um, this, this month, 
is if there's money going to be spent on anything other than that, because then you have, you know, you have budget. And, and if I'm going to, I mean, there has to be some accountability so I can't go buy a new car with it. Right. So right. not that I would do that, but the, but the point is that as long as it's just been a pass through, we haven't had to worry about it. But if your organization is going to start taking on some expenses beyond just paying the lawyer, I think you probably do need a legal entity. Okay. If you don't already have one, a lot of people already have 501c3s or c4s or whatever. One of the big things to be cautious about, and and I think why we're going to go the LLC route, is that um, it, it's very difficult to sort out political activity from nonprofit activity. You know what I mean? Like where you're actually you might be endorsing a candidate or in, in, endorsement has pretty broad implications, like even saying something on YouTube about favoring one candidate over another, that becomes political speech. And one of the things I didn't want to be encumbered by, because my whole life is all jumbled together. I'm an author, I'm a practitioner, I'm in a healthcare company, I'm in school, I got Make Americans Free again, you got the lawsuits. And I just didn't want to have to worry about, am I crossing some threshold where the percentage of time I'm spending on what somebody might think is political speech or whatever would create a problem. So I would be cautious about that. And perhaps the LLC route is the cleanest way to go. Okay. And so all these small groups, they chit chat for 15 to 20 minutes because we all need that energetic exchange with other human beings that we've been missing for 10 months now. And then sometimes you show a video or something that you feel like is really worth the whole group's time? And then what are they doing for the rest of the meeting? Well, they, they chat about the video. And, and we've, we've shown one of the things we're getting into doing is small business rescue. That's, that's something that everybody can do locally. Who needs money? And let's go spend some there if you can. You know, So that sometimes that comes up. Um, and, and those of us who can, who have some resources, you know, I'm, I've done quite a bit of that myself. Um, so, and, and other people who own businesses, they want to talk about their business and, you know, when they're open. And if there's something you can do, like I'll give you an example of a group that, um, is associated with us. The, the rest of where in this particular state where these people are, the restaurant regulations are terrible and everything else, but you, every place you can do takeout. All right. So what they started doing is getting together in church basements and places where they could congregate kind of on the sly, like you can some places here in central Ohio. And, and everybody orders takeout from a restaurant. Well, t- the last time this woman was telling me, they, they put, they collectively bought a thousand dollars worth of stuff. Well, that might keep a restaurant in business until the end of January. All right. Yep. So, so that kind of activity is real helpful. Um, and just turning like if, some, if somebody comes to Thursday night group and says, my shoe store is in trouble, I'll buy gift certificates. If, that, if they don't sell any shoes I want to wear, I'll buy gift certificates. Right. Um, so that there's a little bit of that. And then um, what we're going to do to get more people next week. And are we and are we at a place where a group should be breaking off because of the geography um, and that sort of thing? Um, I'll tell you that the, the whole thing is the congregating. That's you need the people because that's how you're going to find all the people, like I said, and get the money. But but the other thing is people need people. And theoretically, our office closes at nine o'clock. I don't think we've closed at nine o'clock on Thursday. I don't I can't even remember when it's just a night when we're here till whenever. Yeah, I think I think I have a clear picture of this and it makes a lot of sense. And it really seems to come from not just your experience in the last 10 months, but probably your experience with organizing and being a lobbyist for so long, because 
I haven't done that. That's that FaceTime and the, the small meetings. I haven't, that is one thing I have not done because I haven't seen the vision of it, like how just organically um, people will donate once they've come to the meetings and people will, cause you're saying you're, you're now well-funded. That's, that's great. Like, you know, unless I have a big old protest that 1500 people come to and then ask for money, which I've only done once. And it was, it was, it was spectacular. We made a, we got a lot of money. I mean, I've still waste, I've way outspent that in my own, me, me too. Right. I'm funding the whole fight in Utah myself. Um, and there, I need to have some help. I can't, I can't keep this pace up, but, and I'm experiencing the same thing where everybody just sits there like little birds and tells me how wonderful I am. I don't want I don't want to hear how wonderful I am. I just need help. You know? right. Exactly. And, and this is something that people can do. And I think that's the, the most important thing is that, um, and first of all, I've never done this organizing before where, where I learned that this is what we have to do is by seeing how much, how much money and effort has been spent trying to do other things that clearly that they weren't effective before all this happened and they're certainly not going to work now. So it just, this kind of idea has grown organically um, in my head as I've looked at how are, what are we going to do? Well, you start by checking off all the stuff that people have tried to do. I go back to the, um, the, the folks who have put their heart and soul into trying to prevent vaccination mandates. And I know a lot of the people who are involved in California, for example, and, um, and, and they, I mean, they, the amount of effort was unbelievable. People, they had thousands of people who showed up in Sacramento to protest. And you know what happened inside the chambers of the Capitol building? They passed those laws anyway. And so this idea that we're going to show them how much the people are against it, they don't care. Mm. All right. They just don't care. So, so we have to overwhelm them because again, a lot of this bad stuff happens in election years and last year was an election year. If I had had the numbers in the database, I single handedly could have taken care of the situation by sitting down with legislators and saying, well, you will see me because I represent tens of thousands of people in your district or 10,000 people in your district. And if you start looking into races at the state level, federal is a whole different problem, but, but these, all this stuff we're dealing with is state level stuff, right? If you start looking into these races, they're pretty close most of the time, um, much of the time actually. And so when you when you're talking about people who win their races by a handful of votes or a thousand votes, and you've got twenty thousand, they're going to by God do what you say. And and you know something? That's not the way I like to conduct my life. I've actually prided myself since I grew up, like in my thirties. I've prided myself in being able to sit down and have reasonable conversations with people and arrive at compromises that are livable, except that that just doesn't work in politics anymore because these people are criminals who do not care about anything. How, and, and, and I'll tell you what really was, is ticked me off like crazy is watching these disingenuous legislators in Ohio. There were maybe six or seven who were stand up people and drafted the articles of incorporation. And the other ones would say, yeah, we know people are starving in our district and the businesses are going bankrupt. Well, the governor is really draconian, isn't he? Well, then why the heck didn't you sign on to the impeachment articles? How can you sit there and acknowledge that what's going on is terrible and put your head in the sand and, and help? And you know what? That brings up another thing too. And I'm real clear about this. You're either helping us or you're complicit with them. It's just like Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. When you watched all that stuff going on and said, well, it's not my people. They're hauling off to the camp. So what the heck? Yeah, you were complicit. All right. And that's exactly what's going on right now. 
And um, I have no mercy. There will be no mercy for these masked idiots walking around screaming at people when this is over. I have some sympathy for them because I can only imagine what's going to happen when they come out of their stupor and realize how stupid they were and how awful they were. They lost friends. They, they alienated people and did terrible things to other people. I, I have some sympathy for what that's going to be like. But right now, we're in a war for our survival, for our freedom, for our country, for our lives, for future generations. And if you want to wear a mask and walk around and be an idiot, just get out of my way. Okay. Cause you're helping them. You are complicit with them. You're not on our side. Mm, I love you so much. I am so, so inspired and I'm going to plug more into, I'm going to go investigate your website and I'm going to, um, go download how you do these Thursday meetings and see if I can get these going. Well, participate in my conference call. And seriously, do one of my calls and get your people on my calls and we'll work together on it. Yeah, because uh, Utah has some great people. We have come together and I've learned who the ones are who are really just building their own little empire and get distracted by the attention they're getting as a freedom fighter. And then the people who are just doing it for the right reasons and they'll do it, they'll lay out for this. They'll just absolutely lay out for it. And they put money on the line, they put time on the line. And so, you know, if I feel some grief uh, about all the time I've wasted and the money I've wasted doing things that didn't work, you've named a whole bunch of them. Um, we've also put some, some pressure. They, they know who we are and they, they know that we aren't taking this laying down. So I don't think by any means that it's a wash, but I'd love to join your Thursday calls. I have some complete rock star, um, freedom fighters in Utah who could use a shot in the arm too. Just when the Utah contingent just shows up, just, you know, help me out and give them a shot in the arm because it, it gets demoralizing. And I've begged God many times to let me lay this down because I'm like, I'm not getting anywhere and it's taking all my time. Um, my own children hate what I'm doing and scorn it. And I, I get it, have the long play, but God has told me, no, you can't. And everything else you've done up to this point was to prepare you for this. And so it's hard to lose and lose and lose when, uh, when you're working so hard. So just know that when the, when the Utah contingent rides in, they could use a little pep talk because, I mean, I've loved everything that you said here. It's a very different approach. We haven't really done that. But I do have people who have had meetings, even though it wasn't in my direction. And they're the ones who get stuff done, the little Wasatch County group. And they grow and grow and grow every week, just exactly like you said. So um, I would love for you to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to put your link to uh, where you're, where your site is and we'll start rounding people up to participate more. And but just give them my, you, you can put my email address down too, Pam Popper at MSN.com. And uh, because I bet you have, I bet you have time to write everybody back. I do. I actually, I actually write everybody back and I'll tell you why. I mean, sometimes it's just, I want to sign up for a conference call and then we make that happen. But, but I do write everybody back and I'll tell you why right now people are so sideways. Um, you can't believe it. I mean, they're just, they're, they're, they're just, alone and frightened and uh and so i have decided that for the foreseeable future i can live with less sleep if i can send even just you know three sentences back to somebody and say hey i got your email and clearly i totally understand you know where you're coming from and and trust me it's going to be okay and sign up for my thursday call so you can help out but but um but really i do respond to the emails and there aren't there's never going to be too many we'll sort it out here i have a lot of help in my office and and we'll make sure that everybody gets taken care of so you can put my email in the in the um uh notes as well um i put out a newsletter every monday we call it the forbidden newsletter because i put it through my own server so i don't have to worry about censorship 
And then I post a forbidden video on my website at wellnessforumhealth.com on my own server. So we have to worry about censorship. And then I send out four videos a week free. All that's free. Um, and, and so it's an anchor to something, um, sensible. And some people tell me they wake up in the morning and watch the videos and that kind of keeps them from going off the deep end during the day, but all that stuff's free and you can sign up by sending me an email. That's amazing. I remember when you launched your make Americans free again website, you put your email address in that video and I was like, Oh boy, she's, I mean, cause I, I don't, I mean, I'm telling you the honest truth. I don't put my, uh, n- not in my work as green smoothie girl, just because I get too buried in it. So you're amazing. You must just, I guess, because I sleep and you don't, but (laughs) (laughs) I'll sleep later. There's plenty of time to sleep after this is over. I'll sleep when I'm dead. I've heard people say, so at the very beginning, let's, let's close with this. Um, at the very beginning, you said you are absolutely confident that we're going to win. Um, this has been a rough week. Um, even for those of us who try to keep the faith and see the, the way free here, with with the cabal owning tech and medicine and the healthcare system and we're also connected you know in our utilities and and banking tell us why you see us winning here well because there's no pandemic it's fake and they know now that we know and um there is nothing first of all i think again history is very instructive and if you want to read a great book that'll make you know that this can be okay Read the um, uh, Eric Larson's book, E-R-I-K Larson. He wrote a book about Winston Churchill called The Splendid and the Vile. And it covers that period of time when Churchill would, had become prime minister and the bombing of the UK and London started. And he knew that if he did not get the United States involved in the war, that the Brits were going to be speaking German. And um, And at the time, prior to Churchill, Neville Chamberlain had been prime minister of, of uh, England and, and he was a notorious anti-Semite. And so was, by the way, um, uh, Kennedy, who was the ambassador to Germany from uh, uh, the United States. So the two anti, the two anti-Semites were really keeping the United States from getting involved with the war by assuring them that nothing bad was happening over there. But if you read this book, what, what is Churchill's ability to be stalwart to get up steadfast, get up every day. And he would go to the bombed out. There were 2,300 buildings in London bombed. And then the rest of the country was being bombed too. But but to get up and go see the people every day and assure them it was going to be okay when he knew that if the United States didn't get involved, it wasn't going to be okay. It, it, it's an act of faith and strength of character that um, it's just, you have to read the book to really understand what he did and how that saved the world in many ways. And so when you look at that, I mean, we're in deep stuff here. No question. Not quite as bad as Hitler, although they've annihilated more people than Hitler did during the whole war. But, um, but, but if we can overcome that and rebuild Europe and end up with our own country, um, and, and, you know, rebuild, uh, from that, we can certainly win this. I really believe so. Well, I'm very inspired and I'm energized with new plans, which I have been in sore need of. So thank you so very much for joining us. Thank you for having me and spending all this time. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. 